You are now listening to Double Jump Radio. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of Double Jump Radio. I'm your host, Abia, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, John. John, how are you? I'm going alright. Kind of tired today, but otherwise uh, excited to talk and chat and all that. <laughs> all, <laughs> that all that good stuff. Yes, yes, I'm doing very, very well and we've got a... Uh, We've had a, we had a little bit of a health scare with one of my cats, but he's he's doing better now, and that's what matters. That's all that matters, really. Uh, and uh, Ruby, we have a very special guest this week, Ruby Zimmerman, who's uh, I guess one of the uh, editors at large at <laughs> Double Jump, making sure we're all uh, getting our words out there <laughs> in the in the right prose. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> no, Very generous well. introduction that you gave me there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ruby's uh, based in New Zealand, so if you hear a little bit of a different accent, it may be why. <laughs> yeah, I apologise if I'm unintelligible. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no, we we love it. We 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 love a good um, uh, we love a good Kiwi friend across across our pond, I guess, as as we uh, as we call it. The, the the friends down under the, the union continues but this week we are we are super pumped to be back i know we we took a little bit of a break last week so very very sorry that we missed you all um it's you know we we always look forward to this so it's kind of a kind of a, a bummer when we can't be there for you all so let's hope we have an awesome episode this week so pumped let's uh yeah. let's <laughs> Let's, I guess, like start off by saying, you know, really like condolences to the families who've been affected by the shooting. I think it was in Texas, wasn't it? At mm-hmm. the primary school in, in Texas. Uh, I feel like the previous shooting was only a couple of weeks ago. I think we hadn't even recorded the other episode when, when that happened. And it seems like it's happening too often and unnecessarily. So people, if, you, if you're listening in America, you know, let your Congress people know, hey, we want we want some background checks. We want some change to happen because, you know, we don't want to see innocent people die from something that could be so prevented, something so preventable. But you know, that's that's all our thoughts and our uh, our hopes go to everyone who's been affected by that. Um, we, we, on that uh, dire note, let's uh, move on to the news for this week and talk about our first news story. Oh, no. We were meant to be talking about what it was on Double Jump last week. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so rusty. Oh, well, that's part. <laughs> that's why you've got John here to keep you in line. <laughs> Actually, scrap all that. The qu- As we have done with uh, on Double Jump Radio, actually, it's been like almost two years now since we've done the last one of these. But whenever we have a new co-host on the show or a special guest, we like to ask them a very special question, and that is, What's your favorite game and why? So, Ruby, can you indulge us with uh, with with some history? <laughs> I can certainly do my best. Um, I think probably like everybody on the team at Double Jump, um, that's a very difficult question. More than one favorite game. You can't play favorites, you know, with your children, and you can't play favorites with your video games. I think, um, <laughs> but I'm kind of known for uh, my love of Alan Wake. Um, it's a very dear game to my heart and I've spoken about that uh, recently on Double Jump when they made the remake. Um, I'm also a really big fan of Bioshock 
a huge fan of that series. Um, and yeah, those are the two that probably spring to mind, but I play a lot of games across all different genres and it really just kind of depends on what the mood is, to be honest. So when it, when it comes to Alan Wake and what 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 really makes that such a like a standout game for you? Okay, you want to like uh, get into it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me, it's like uh, I played that game in a really interesting time in my life. I was kind of... Um, in university, my parents had divorced a couple of years before that. Mm -hmm. I was in a strange kind of position of um, being a going into the adult world, about to finish uni, not really sure what I wanted to do, not really sure where I was standing. Um, and I think at the time, it just was a game that was very much about being lost, um, trying to find your way in the world, trying to make sense of things that were new to you that you hadn't experienced before um so i felt a bit of a connection there i think with the main character um and yeah it's i mean it's a beautiful game also in terms of the visuals in terms of what it does with story the way that it mixes a live action and video gaming um but i think that that's why it really is so personal to me is just because of where i was as a person at that time and i think everybody has a game that is you know a personal love more than anything really yeah mm. i can I, I can definitely say that, yeah. I think everyone's got a little something that means so much to them that you, you, sometimes you can't really explain it. It's just you just had to be going through what they were going through at the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for sharing. That's it's really awesome to hear that you know that you had a game no like problem. that during such a difficult time. And I guess we we'll, we will talk about remedy a little bit later in the show. So we will we will uh we'll hold you to that. <laughs> Bring on your expertise. <laughs> <laughs> Look forward to it. Well, over this uh, past, I guess, fortnight now, we had a, a few articles go up on, on the site. And the the first one was a multiplayer, courtesy of yourself, John, Jake, and Ty, talking about some of the strangest places in film and TV that games have showed up. Yes. Um, yeah, our, like long belated I'm not sure if I'm using that word right, but like we've had these multiplayers like in the bank for a long time. I was surprised how long it's been. It's it's nice to see them again because I'm I'm like it's very. I don't know I think these these multiplayers are quite good, even relative to how good they usually are. So like I'm happy with them a lot. Um, but this one follows. Oh, not follows, but we have House of Cards by myself, which I still find stunning. How that is something that can appear in a double jump. Um, article and then um, Seinfeld an ad that um, Jake covered about with Final Fantasy 9 and John Wick had an appearance They're like oh the other way around a game appeared in John Wick as well so it's I don't know it's <laughs> actually not sure what else to say about it it's <laughs> yeah because I remember the one in um I remember the one in House of Cards because that was like Monument Valley or something it was like oh, that was the second wow. one. Is it the second one? Okay, because <laughs> no, I remember one, one of them. Just, this one was just the Vita. Oh yes, the second one. Uh the second one was like he was playing it on the phone. Yeah, I actually forgot about that one. Yeah, it was like, but, um... have you heard of the Vita? So... <laughs> yeah, it was like, uh, it, it was such a weird thing because it's like Kevin Spacey, like his character. Uh, it's just. Uh, to me, seemed out of place, and I didn't like the fact that we were like gaming was associated with an evil dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, a great way to advertise the Vita. <laughs> I think with like the benefit of hindsight as well, in terms of how the Vita performed, it just feels even more kind of like awkward. If it had been a really like standout, you know, um, console, it might have not felt so weird looking back on it. Uh, I, th- I thought you were going to say with uh, hindsight with what happened with Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Yeah, well, oh, yeah, well, that, that too. too yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, nah, fair enough, fair yeah. enough. But yeah, no, nah, definitely would be, would be, uh, yeah, interested in more unexpected video game appearances. Uh, that'll be that's going to be fun. They, they've got to be. There's got to be more coming up now. I've, I feel like there are more writers and producers and and directors who grew up with games. That it just they're going to show up from time to time now. Yeah. <laughs> well, next we had uh, Lucas's. Uh, like his continue continuation of his faction focus series uh, on the Infinity tabletop game, and this time it's focused on uh, let's see the steel the, sorry the steel phalanx. Oh wow! I'm sorry, but I I, I keep I always get caught out by like how beautiful these figurines look. Sorry, John, <laughs> you, you're going to introduce it, and I totally hijacked. That. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah, so Lucas has been writing a number of like very detailed um, breakdowns of like various like factions within Infinity. Infinity being a tabletop tactics game using miniatures, and that he has a lot of because he's been taking a lot of photos of them. Um, it's I know it's it's very like anime inspired, like as a game. This one is specifically about a sci-fi take on Greek mythology slash history. Mm. I don't know anything about either, honestly, so I couldn't say either. But um, yeah, so this one is about like the premise of them is that and the like overlord AI of this universe called Aleph has like resurrected a bunch of like Greek pantheon. Oh, not pantheon, but like you know, like notable Greek figures. figures. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm actually not sure if it extends to the Pantheon. It might actually. It hasn't in this sectorial though. But um, and this is a thing this AI does frequently, which I think it, I'm sure it comes up at least a couple more times during these faction-focused articles. But it's um, yeah, just another another like yeah detailed breakdown of a group that will, if you're really interested in playing, Lucas will get you to grips with the with this specific faction in. A lot of detail, but it's like relatively succinct. As the person who edited it, I felt it was quite succinct and straightforward for the most part. So it's yeah, go check that out if you're more inter- still interested in reading about Infinity. I think because I think it's been a couple months or so since mm. we had the last faction focus. But yeah, I'd love to hear you know people at home or people um are watching live if you've if you've tried Infinity and if uh, you found these guides helpful because. You know, Lucas puts in a lot, a lot of great work in there. And it's, it's always a fascinating read, especially someone like from the outside looking in. Yeah, I, I think they're a good way to like learn about tabletop play, like gameplay a bit as well. As someone who has played practically none of it beyond basic board games, so it's like it's a good way to learn about that as well, even though it's mm. about a specific game. Yeah, no, fair enough. Well, the the last piece was. Uh, one that just went up last night as, as we're recording, which was Jake, yours, John, yours, Uri, and Ben's joint multiplayer on the weirdest spin-offs in gaming. I guess like inspired by Better Call Soul, which is 
which itself was spun off from the Breaking Bad TV show. But uh, yeah, I was surprised to see that as the featured image. It, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but John, you had uh, Dragon Ball the Breakers, and <laughs> yeah, I only realized like because again these have been done for a little while, and I only realized like way later it's like oh wait mine aren't actually spinoffs, not in the sense that yours guys are. <laughs> They're not spin-offs of games, so anyway, I liked writing them, so I'm pretty happy. That's, with it. That Dragon Ball game is like unusual, though. I mean, I'm not a huge Dragon Ball fan, but even I had seen things on the internet of people being like, "This is really weird." <laughs> yeah, yeah, like because I, I kind of go into it a little. I won't go into it now, but it's like it's very curious how those two anime things, because of course I'll talk about anime. Um, you know, just kind of draw from the properties in. A really inspired way like, that's mm. kind of what's fun about these spin-offs actually a lot of the time mm. is being able to draw something that just seems so zany and out of left field and actually seem that ultimately ends up being very um you know accurate i guess to the property it's spinning off from it, it's fun when that happens mm. <laughs> and then you had a second one which was uh let's see battle the jojo's bizarre adventure battle royale it definitely yeah, looks like it, a Fortnite clone. <laughs> yeah, no, I, took, I did that screenshot because it's like the most easy to understand. <laughs> like every other one I found was like confusing. Was like, mm. like, like JoJo's. Like, yeah, yeah, I was exactly. going to say. Because <laughs> like every character is like, you know, one of the characters in JoJo and like their power set is just like every player is like basically a class except the class extends to how you like engage with the world so there's like one character who has like a zipping based like stand that's a, like how what their powers are called basically you know so which means they can actually that character can actually insert themselves into like environment objects and walls and all that stuff that he could do in the show or in the story itself i don't know i found it i personally found it very inspired mm. I, i'm really sad i don't get to play it because it, it's never gonna leave japan or it's arcade. arcade only, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like an extra layer of inaccessibility. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what about you, Ruby? You wrote one as well. Yeah, yeah. Mine was about um, Dead or Alive and the sort of volleyball um, spin-off that it's, I would say it's probably just as well known for now <laughs> as the actual original Dead or Alive say, and the film, of course. Oh, you know, the... Um, <laughs> the classic 2005 film, Dead or Alive. Yeah, Rush. cinematic masterpiece that it is. is starring Dead Holly Valance from Australia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You guys couldn't keep her. Oh, <laughs> no. <what> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a weird way that they decided to go with uh, the Dead or Alive series. But I think also they were very canny in that they understood that six shells and they already had characters that were kind of, you know, easy to to make more sexualized. Um, oh, yep. And, yeah. And it's fun, you know, it's kind of a funny a funny thing to look back on. They're also very much of the time as well. I'm not sure that nowadays it would be kind of given the same <laughs> place in history that it was given back then. Yeah, because yeah, that got multiple games. I'm, I'm yeah, sure and I think in Japan games. it performed quite well. I'm not sure about in the West, but, um, yeah. you know, I certainly... I, I remember seeing it in like EB Games, like the catalogs and stuff. So it was definitely promoted. At least the first one was. I don't know about the, the second one, but we'll, we'll, we'll uh, yeah. I I don't foresee it coming back anytime soon. 
not in this climate. I'm pretty sure it's still around. It's like, I think there's like some free to play version in Japan and other stuff like that. I don't know. Um, look, I don't want to look that up. I feel like it's. With my I feel like it would be like ideal for like a mobile game where you could download all the costume. Like it's just like one of those games that I feel like could make millions just by, like some very dedicated fan base that no one like knows about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah so that's I what mean, the last. Uh, oh, sorry, keep going, Ruby. Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah, if people are willing to drop, you know, a couple of bucks on, on it, you could probably make some pretty good money mm-hmm. off that sort of free, free to play or, you know, microtransaction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we've we've got some more picks in there from Ben and 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 Ty, so definitely have a read through, uh, and uh, yeah, and Jake as well. So uh, please uh, head over to doublejump.co and you'll find all of those articles that we mentioned just before. But let's move over from Double Jump to focus on the news. Take two. Oh, yeah, sorry. There's music playing in the background. Oh. That's, that's <laughs> I didn't realize that this is also like a DJ show. <laughs> uh, I, I never figured out how to make it play for you guys. So maybe yeah. that's another project. <laughs> for another time, but uh, the first news that we have this week is that uh, the group of Q and A. So, uh, sorry, not, I keep saying Q and A. Sorry, the group of QA testers. So, the quality assurance testers at uh, Raven Software. So, the the lead developer of the the Warzone, I guess, project. You know, mega mega property at Activision Blizzard. Um, after the whole Activision Blizzard scandals kind of broke, I think at end of last year, uh, it was it was kind of like came to light that um, some of those uh, employees uh, who had been brought on as contractors and were in some situations promised you know full time equivalent employment were kind of left in the lurch and 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 not given those opportunities. And in the wake of that, uh, about. Uh, a group of those testers had actually started uh, like talking about becoming a union and uh, it was officially going to be called the Game Workers Alliance and that was uh, that was in January this year and it even filed with the National Labor Relations Board which is kind of like where all unions kind of have to be registered with to be recognized. Uh, obviously Activision Blizzard and uh, Raven Software I guess tried to like kind of downplay the importance or the need to have a union saying and you know Activision Blizzard already previously brought on Wilma Hale like a very notorious kind of anti-union law firm to kind of handle a lot of things happening and I'm sure that they were definitely that they were involved in this as well but what's happened is that now the the GWA so these QA testers have actually successfully uh, won the vote to unionize. And I guess what that means is there's now an internal voice within Activision Blizzard of people who, you know, now are, can be officially recognized by media outlets and, and other groups. And and I guess you could kind of say this is maybe the first step towards unionization as like a... I don't know how to put it, as like a... Like it'll become like a standard thing across the industry, hopefully, because we, I mean we we all know the stories about crunch, and and we'll we'll hear stories about gender discrimination and just kind of toxic work cultures, and maybe having unions is is part of the is is one solution 
to solving those problems. Um, but one of the quotes uh, comes from uh, this was this was actually reported by the Washington Post, and one of the one of the quotes uh, came from uh, Becca Ayner, one of the uh, QA testers who was part of the vote, and she said that. Quote, the voice of the people coming together to vote for yes for this union is further validation that even a small groups of folks in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, in solidarity, can face up against a AAA studio giant like Activision and come out the other side victorious. Uh, I guess let's 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 not let's not beat around the bush. Like it's it's I I I still think it's it, I think it's kind of crazy that like such a small group was able to win something against. You know, a company that's being acquired for almost sixty-nine billion dollars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, Ruby, do do you have any thoughts on you know what this could mean? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's definitely a great thing in terms of setting a precedent for other companies to also um, begin unionizing. I mean, it just allows them to have so much more of a say in how the company works, and I think it's fair that. You know the people who are making the games should be able to have a say in how the company is is running, or at least their own kind of employment situations. Um, uh, so I think yeah, it's it's great for the American um, video game industry, and hopefully it'll also uh, you know inspire some people around the world to also start unionizing. I think that it can be only be good really for the employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um. It's like it's kind of nice how small it is too. I mean, it's not nice, but I mean, as in like it's reassuring in a way, in the sense that like you can have with such a small group of people within this gigantic company, which is also undergoing a merger or whatever it is with Microsoft. Yeah. Yes. Um, which I think might throw a spanner into the works, but I'm not sure if that's a real thing that could happen. I, I know. Anyway, I'm curious about that, but it's like it's. I don't know. Hopefully, the fact that it can start so small and mm. still actually succeed means good things for other, like you know, other studios and other corporations in the game industry. Um, Definitely beyond just this, yeah. And I, gu- I guess, yeah, it'll be. I-, I wonder who's going to be next. That's 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 just what I'm. I'm just just hoping to see. You know, who knows? Maybe we'll hear something out of the the uh, the I don't know the new Embracer Group conglomerate of of mm. like studios that have been acquired maybe they'll have something to say or maybe something will come out of japan because i know japan's always had like like it's a, there's always been a lot of you always heard about crazy stories about japan um you know the work culture there and how like the how crunch just is just like expected and like mm. people sleeping under desks and, and and things like that but i i hope that you know we we see something soon sooner rather than later I know there've been efforts in Australia, like with our unions as well. So, it's it's a it's a it's a right step forward, and you know I wish wish the folks there all, all the best at GWA, and you know maybe we'll see some more unionization across the industry. But John, let's uh let's take it to the 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 next story, you know moving away from Activision Blizzard and talking about uh, I guess speaking about companies that were recently acquired, and Idos Montreal was one of them, and talking about Final Fantasy. <laughs> what <laughs> yeah a, a shorter story probably this time but like we'll um it. <laughs> <laughs> it's in, it's very interesting though I, I was not aware of this until today um that's yes so speaking to true achievements to um the former art director of artist montreal um jonathan jack Balletet, 
I pronounced that right. Um, yeah, so apparently Artist Montreal had a core Final Fantasy game in development that would have been Final Fantasy 15 before, like it was actually in development at Artist Montreal before it was seemingly canned in favor of, um, what do you call it, like overhauling versus 13 into 15 proper. So like, I guess that would have been the first mainline Western Final Fantasy game, I think, if that actually went through. But um, I think. Is that right? Pretty mm. sure. Sounds right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think so. Unless there's like mobile spin-offs or something that we're missing. But yeah, like yeah. a mainline one, definitely not. But um, just to kind of get the quote um, from Jack Bailesetz, um Yeah, so, quote, we tried to do Final Fantasy XV. Then Square Enix decided to bring Final Fantasy XV back to Japan, which I think was a big mistake, but it's still the truth. <laughs> Ours was really, really cool, end quote. Um, there's not too much info there, but I think the fact that it, that was something that was so possible, apparently, is fascinating to me. Yeah, that w- mm-hmm. I wonder what it would have been, because Final Fantasy XV, okay, that's the one with Noctis. It's the one with the blue hair, not the brown hair or the red hair like or the blonde hair. I think that's the way you can identify... <laughs> Final Fantasy protagonist. He's the one who was like the king's son and he ran away with his mates on a bro's road trip. Um, and that's that's like the most recent, like large-scale, fully-numbered Final Fantasy. Um, and yeah, I, th- I wonder what... I wonder what that would have been. Because like, Artist Montreal most recently worked on, you know, the, the Deus Ex reboots as well as the... Um, I think they also did Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Was that them? Yeah, they I did, think that was yeah. them. So, I, I wonder, I wonder what we could have seen. Maybe a cyberpunk fantasy take <laughs> on on Final Fantasy, because there's always been like Final Fantasy has always had like a steampunk aesthetic and always like very reverent of like medieval culture and and kind of classic fantasy tropes. So maybe a cyberpunk Final Fantasy would have been cool. Yeah, I would have loved to see it. I mean, also the that guy, um, Jonathan Jacques Bellatet, uh, he was the art director for Deus Ex, so mm. I think he probably had some really amazing um, concepts for for Final Fantasy. And I think that doing a you know sort of a Western Final Fantasy would be quite a cool step uh, in a different direction for the series. I mean, they've done fifteen mainline games now, and God knows how many you know they'll keep doing and. <laughs> I think it would be nice to see them try something a little bit different, um, mm. but I guess we'll be only ever have to wonder, <laughs> unfortunately. Just just put a black and gold filter on all Final Fantasy fifteen screenshots, and maybe you'll be you'll be halfway there. I don't know. That's the dream. I love that black and gold aesthetic. <laughs> or, or put um or put a anime hair on a was it Adam? Was that yeah Adam, Adam Jensen? Adam Jensen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Raspy voice. Uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, that that was a nice, nice, uh, quick, quick story for us. But um, uh, I guess <sighs> this is annoying because uh, the th- this next story is talking about some more kind of like shenanigans happening from the world of PlayStation. So, folks who've li- been listening to the show for a while know that I'm not the biggest fan of Jim Ryan. Uh, uh, who's the say the president? He's the president and CEO of so- Sony Interactive Entertainment, the parent company of a PlayStation. And uh, 
basically what's happened is Jim Ryan. I, I can't even. I, I can't even take this. No, this is this is just really really frustrating. Okay, so what happened was at uh, earlier this month, um, there in uh, there was a there was a I don't know. I don't know how I should put it. So th- there was a, a landmark case in the in 1973 called Roe versus Wade, and essentially the outcome of that case was the legalization of abortion nationwide. And there's there's a bill being drafted uh, that can that will overturn that um, that ruling, and quite a few protests and quite a few states have said that we'll be one of those to. Um, outlaw it in our state and you know instead of doing the i don't know maybe it would have been better if he said nothing but the fact that um you know when 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 you got companies like bungie saying that you know this is like a breach of human rights and then you get someone like jim ryan who is like notoriously says douchey things because like he was the one who was like why are we going to have emulation on PlayStation? Why are we going to have backwards compatibility? Who the hell wants to play old games? They look shit. <laughs> President Jim Ryan uh, said earlier this month that, you know, he, he basically boiled it down to a, quote, a difference of opinion when it comes to the topic there. And that, you know, rightly angered a lot of people within the PlayStation family. And, um, yeah, and, and what's happened since is that uh, a few developers, such as uh, uh, Insomniac Games, uh, who uh, you know, most famous for the the Ratchet and Clank series, as well as the, I guess most recently, um, the 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 Marvel Spider-Man games, have come out and said that they plan to donate fifty thousand dollars to the Women's Reproductive Rights Assistant Project, uh, known as RAP, um, and this was uh, according to an like internal email that circulated like right after Jim Ryan's email. <laughs> Uh, in that email, he, he, he basically talked about that and then he went to talk about his cat's birthdays. Like, you know, this <laughs> two equally important issues that are facing the world, but anyway. And um, this this uh, this news came from, uh, allegedly, this was reported by the Washington Post, so Jason, Jason sorry, uh, <laughs> Nathan Grayson at, uh, at the Washington Post first reported on this. And uh, it, it apparently, allegedly came from the CEO, Ted Price, um, and this would be, let's see, uh, a $50,000 donation to the organization and that Sony will match the donation uh, as well as any additional ones from individual Insomniac employees as part of the, the PlayStation Cares program. Um, we were talking about this before the show, but Ruby, you pointed out the fact that no one really publicly talked about this. Like there were no official tweets, retweets or comments made on this. And it's um, kind of frustrating well, well, yeah. yeah. What, what, yeah. Why is that? I mean, I think there's a lot to unpack with this story. Um, obviously, you know, the comments that were made by um, the PlayStation CEO uh, affected a lot of people within the business, um, not just women in the business, but, you know, men as well, non-binary, everybody basically working there and working in um, industries related to PlayStation as well. Um, and I think the the real kind of outcry, I think, came from the fact that he sort of managed to sandwich it in between these stories about his cat's birthdays and things like that. And there was also a comment about um, how dogs were 
this was not a direct quote, but something like how dogs were um, were man's best friend because they know how to listen, um, which oh, I think yeah. was oh, it was not the right time to to be making these kinds of comments. Um, so so that's obviously a whole thing, and then with this kind of insomniac donation, which is really great to hear, it was kind of unusual that there wasn't a big kind of fanfare about it. You would have thought that considering PlayStation had received this negative feedback about this email that they would have kind of wanted to say, hey, we're actually, we're going to do a big donation with Insomniac and kind of patch it over. But um, there wasn't really any of that, which I think was kind of feels a little bit sort of like, you know, trying to have your cake and eat it too, really. They're trying to say, hey, we're good and, um, you know, we're standing with our team and we're standing with Insomniac, but they're not going to make a song and dance about it so that maybe the shareholders or those who don't agree with that decision won't be upset. And I don't think that when you're uh, dealing with a situation like this Roe versus Wade potential overturn, um, that you can afford to kind of be on the fence. I think you have mm. to kind of take a stand in either direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like stand for something, like have some integrity in, in one way or another. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, we, we talk about, you know, PlayStation coming across as being like, I think Microsoft's always been the more sympathetic, like has gotten a lot of like, oh, they're, they're for the consumer. Look at Game Pass. Look at this. Look at that. Then Sony's always kind of like come across as being arrogant in a way in terms of how it approaches consumer issues and things like that and then this is kind of like an extension of that and uh, i don't know i feel like jim ryan isn't doing the playstation brand any favors and this action or i guess wishy-washy kind of like you know downplaying of such a significant issue is, is is not helping either but you know i don't know yeah and I think it, mm. it does tend to kind of infantilize um, the employees who work there because, you know, these are adults who are dealing with something that could be potentially, you know, forcing them to change states or um, have to kind of rethink how they're going to manage their day-to-day -day lives and how they're going to manage their relationships and mm. things like that. And, and I think that, um, yeah, just kind of going, oh, you know, don't worry about it. Keep it, at, keep it at home. Don't talk about it with your colleagues is sort of a bit, um, patronizing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I never understand that. I, I, I don't understand the whole thing around. Don't talk about it at work. It's it's never stood right with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I was just going to say that. You know, I understand wanting to keep your workplace a place where people can feel comfortable and whether you know which either side of the debate they fall on. And obviously, it is a business, and you need to be. Um, professional but um i think that just the way the message came across was just really badly timed and really badly worded <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah john you were saying oh uh, i was just i mean anyway it's <laughs> i think like ryan and playstation like you know like the corporate leaders of playstation assumedly i suppose it's just ryan representing that for the most part is like really wanting to keep playstation like politics agnostic or mm. i'm not sure if i'm using that word right but like you know just like like as yeah, the market leader right. they really like keeping that image of being just separate from everything that has any sort of like scandal or mm. just mm -hmm. emotions even <laughs> yeah, beyond just playing video games 
it's like or like you know anything of significance really yeah. it's like it's i don't know just and like ryan's really bad at it and like <laughs> as if that email is a good <laughs> example of it like yeah. he's very you know it's very sudden like very swiftly dismissive of his entire group and then because i'm not sure if we mentioned it but there was something about how oh i think we did but like you know like not talking discussing these topics in the like you know corporate workplace itself but also like trying to prevent like insomniac from you know discussing it publicly as well it's just Mm. i don't know it's it could mean worse things down the road considering they don't really seem to be making any changes yeah but from what we've heard you know like yeah. i don't know yeah i mean there like elsewhere in the the playstation news sphere was you know uh the, i guess a new gender discrimination lawsuit it's it's similar to the one filed in november by a, a former employee called emma mayho majo uh but that was dismissed last month because it was too apparently too broad that's what the judge thought and it was uh you know very wide sweeping so emma's gone back and filed it now in california and kept it specific to the california offices so we'll we'll see how that one uh, progresses in the in the coming months but uh let's let's move on to some some positive news some some fun news and let's talk about some like awesome news coming out of uh alan wake developer remedy entertainment ruby this is this is this is your time to <laughs> This is my moment. Exactly. This is why I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, obviously, at the most recent Games Awards um, show, Remedy were there, and they surprised and delighted fans by saying that Alan Wake 2 was in development, um, which has been a very, very long time coming. (laughs) The original game came out in 2010, I think it was. So, 12 years of waiting. Um, and it's and a survival it's, horror as well, which is like is, a yeah. genre shift too. Yeah, so they're finally taking a step um, into full survival horror as opposed to sort of horror elements, which they've had in the past. Um, and they showed recently, they also um, had a video with some of the um, team behind Alan Wake. So there was Matthew Peretta, who is the voice actor of Alan, and Ilka Billy, who is the face and body actor. Um, and they showed some he's stills. He's the pretty boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's the, the moneymaker. But he's an actor um, in his own right. In, he is, in yes. In Finland? Where, where are they from, actually? Yes, he's an actor in Finland, um, and he's been in a couple of different series over there. And he's been in music videos and things as well. Um, gotcha. But uh, they showed a couple yeah. of stills from the Alan Wake development which is very exciting because unfortunately there is no trailer as of yet. They've postponed showing a trailer or any gameplay footage. Um, although the game is still due to make its 2023 mm. release, which is awesome to hear. Mm. Cause like I, I played, I don't play, sorry. I own Alan Wake and Alan Wake's American nightmare. Cause when, when it was first getting delisted from steam because of like music rights, uh, I think remedy made it free. So mm. I own it. Maybe I should go back and visit it, especially because, like, I I really like the Max Payne games, but I didn't play. I don't. I haven't played anything else from Remedy. I have I have Control because it was free on Epic Game Store, but I haven't played it. So maybe I should. I should uh should delve back yeah, in. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Quantum and Break I mean, is be... where I need to start. I think that's what you said before, right? 
Uh, you definitely need to start with Alan Wake and then work your way through okay. because the games, the remedy games, are so interconnected that mm. it's you know kind of you need to play them all to really get the whole experience. I mean, yeah. I could talk about remedy games for like an hour, so you'll have to stop <laughs> at some point. <laughs> oh, fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, but, um, yeah. What's what's it, happening now? Yeah, well, it would be good to start with Alan Wake also because they have announced that there will be a TV show in production which is also something that has been kind of rumoured um, on the back burner for a long time. And it is being produced with AMC, who have mm. been known for doing Breaking Bad. Um, they did The Walking Dead, Killing Eve. I think Mad Men like is, is with them as well. I'm not, I think so. Possibly. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, I think they've so, even done like a few Stephen King things. So it feels like kind of in the same <laughs> correct kind of... Uh, Makes sense because Lane, yeah, because yeah, wasn't Alan like Alan Wake like in the game was like a horror like he was like a horror writer facing writer's block, right? Was that the setup for the first game? Yeah, he's kind of like a thriller writer. He mm. sort of writes more kind of like I guess Lee Child sort of also noir kind of um, gotcha. books, a little bit of Stephen King, obviously inspired by Stephen King quite a lot. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see where they go with it. Obviously, um, Ilka Billy is an actor and he speaks fluent English as well. So it would be cool if they would cast him. Um, but I'm not sure that they will. <laughs> I, I've got a. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a photo up on the screen of Ilka Billy because he. Oh, he's a he's a handsome handsome man. I mean, it's been 12 <laughs> years since he um, <laughs> last. <laughs> it's been 12 years since he was in Alan Wake. I mean, he does um, do a little bit of acting and control as well, but obviously it's kind of a long time coming for him to come back to that role, which mm. is really exciting. Mm. Is is he in the TV show? I'm not sure. They that, haven't announced would, anything see, about it yet. See, what, that would be amazing. See, that would be, yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> if he was actually yeah. Alan Wake in the TV show. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, because like, I mean, there is there is precedent for, you know, Scandinavian actors playing British or Americans on TV, like you know, uh, like Mads Mikkelsen in the Hamil- ha- Hamilton, sorry, the Hannibal Show. Um, <laughs> what, what was? Oh God, I'm, I'm forgetting his name now from um, Game of Thrones. You know, the Jamie Lannister actor, uh, Nic- Nicolaj, I think his name was something. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yes, I, I, I'm. So, I'm Deeply offending the European crowd, but I'm, <laughs> so, I'm so sorry <laughs> that I'm forgetting. But yes, yeah, sorry, Ruby, uh, continue with the, the good news. Yeah, so there's not just news about Alan Wake. Um, Remini are also currently working on a number of other projects as well. Uh, they've got a free-to-play co-op shooter, which is currently codenamed Vanguard, um, which will be, I believe published by or supported by Tencent, um, mm-hmm. which is a very large company to have, you know, working with them on that. Um, they've also got Codename Condor, which is a spin-off from Control, um, a multiplayer spin-off, which seems like a crazy concept if you've mm. played Control, but it will be set in the oldest house, uh, which is the setting of Control, so that will be a really, really interesting game to see how that turns out. Um, and they're looking also, I believe, a sequel to Control, which mm. is going to be published with 505 games, um, which should yeah. be really, really exciting. I guess the cool so thing. So they've got heaps yeah. of projects on. Because, like, the, 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 I guess, like, the. Because, like, these were kind of, uh, I guess, announced last year, but now they're now we've got some updates. Is that, you know, Vanguard, the, the, the co op shooter, 
uh, is quote made good progress since the previous quarter. <laughs> and, it's a very stakeholder <laughs> friendly, thing to say. <laughs> yep. And then code uh, code name Condor, which is the multiplayer spin-off from Control, is <laughs> it quote continues in the proof of concept stage. And uh, Codename Heron, which is the, 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 the larger budget control sequel, is, quote, in the concept stage, and its prototyping continues, um, which it, um, it, it sounds like something a scientist would write, say in an audio log in the control. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it, very com- it comes across like that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's exciting to see that they're uh, obviously working on so many projects at the same time, and yeah. um, I think it's set to be a really standout um you know, a couple of years for them coming. So. Uh, oh, It'll give me plenty to talk about. <laughs> oh, sorry. But, like, um, I'm curious about Vanguard being, like, because they just released Crossfire X, those episodes, not mm. too long ago, those shooter. I'm wondering if it kind of uses stuff from that. I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of wondering how much, um, you know, interpollination there is in the studio right mm. now because they've got so many, you know, mm. plates spinning right now. I'm kind of curious to see how because like their games temp- typically tend to follow similar templates and now they're kind of venturing out into like first person shooter gameplay and now multiplayer stuff with condor and now they're doing remakes which actually they kind of did with alan wake i suppose so there's history mm. there but like um i don't know it's it's gonna be interesting to see where they're at in like two years when suddenly yeah. they just feel differently again mm. Yeah, and it seems like it's another kind of uh, genre shift, um, like you said, from kind of what they're known for. I mean, a multiplayer game has is kind of a strange way mm. of taking the <laughs> the concept, and I think a first-person shooter or a PVE shooter is also really strange. So it's exciting to see that they're trying new things, um, and it'll be really interesting to see how they actually turn out. I'm just worried about like having this many projects, like, to, you know, just how are they going to support all that with the teams? Like, are the teams going to be growing hugely? Are they going to be, like, mm. you know, relying on crunch to meet deadlines? Because, you know, talking about having, quote, major game launches between 2023 and 2025, you know, that's 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 four games, like, on the trot, right? Four or five games on the trot. That's crazy. I mean, they have just recently opened a studio in Stockholm in Sweden, mm. so they do have a sister studio over there. So I think they are um, expanding quite rapidly and adding a lot of new staff recently. So I assume that's all to kind of keep up with the, the progress that they're making. The well, expansion what we need is a Remedy Studios here in Australia because with the government announcing that funding, the 30% you know funding promotion, like, like why not? <laughs> it would be cool to have something down in this side of the world again. Yeah, well, probably they're probably got a restraining order on me so that they can't be within you know, <laughs> at this point. I'm I'm sure they'll if there's a community manager post or like a narrative post, they might they might poach you. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, I did want to mention sorry. the song as well with like the Max Payne remix. That stands out to me because like mm. I keep I thought about it a couple of times lately, and it's confusing to me almost where it's like. Um, just taking this from BG247 as a quote. Um, Rockstar will finance the development budget, which apparently be, will be in line with Remedy's typical budget size for a AAA game production. And then like, then Remedy will get the money after the development cost. So I'm kind of curious what, what is in it for Rockstar, like particularly because I'm kind of wondering if they're using this as a way to go 
okay, is there enough interest that we could maybe fund Max Payne 4? Mm. Or, I mean, maybe us, like for Rockstar to make them again? I don't know. But I'm kind of curious, mm. like when they're funding the development and getting literally nothing else out of it, seemingly, outside of the brand being mm. awake again, um, yeah. I don't know. I'm very interested in, in that. Well, Rockstar Games held the rights to uh, the games. like So, like, Remedy Entertainment made uh made the first two Max Payne games but number 3 was made by Rockstar Games after it I think did it did it acquire the rights to it or did it already have the rights to um the Max Payne series I'm trying to remember um, I think they acquired the rights I think yeah. Remedy had it for 1 and 2 and then they um Rockstar acquired them mm, and that's why it was very like you didn't really see re-releases or anything like that for like a decade <laughs> and then and you didn't even like Remedy didn't even like mention I feel like it didn't mention the Max Payne games in a lot of its press materials because I think it couldn't I think it I think maybe the relationship soured or something or maybe it was a condition of the you know leaving of um uh like the Rockstar family like in terms of developing the game but I'm glad that you know all those rights issues have been sorted out and I guess I'm speculating but to answer your question about, you know, what's in it for Rockstar Games, it could be maybe testing the appetite for more Max Payne. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was... And, yeah. and, um, and getting them familiar with the tech. Like, getting those teams familiar with the tech again. And, and maybe it's more like... Maybe Remedy was just... Uh, like, maybe Remedy's in a position where it's like, it's... Or maybe it's just Sam Lake, you know, the, the face of Max Payne and one of the, you know, the founders of... Remedy Entertainment just really wanting to go back to that that series and kind of mm. sweetening the deal mm. for Rockstar. I think also what's really interesting is that you know Alan Wake and Control and all of Remedy's other titles uh, beyond Max Payne make a lot of reference to Max Payne mm. in quite roundabout ways. Um, in terms of Alan Wake, you know he is a writer and the character that he writes or is known to write is Alex Casey, who is basically a Max Payne reference. Oh. <laughs> um, and because they didn't have the right to talk about Max Payne, they sort of invented this kind of spin-off. Mm. And so it's possible that, you know, fingers crossed there might be a return of the rights um, for Max Payne to Remedy, which would allow them to kind of bring it all back into the Remedy-verse, um, which would be, you know, a real sort of like cherry yeah. on top. Um, but I think you're right that they may be sort of looking as to whether um, they want to do more Max Payne. I think that the story possibly has been wrapped up quite happily in Max Payne 3, which Rockstar made. But, you know, there's always, these happily books can always a... be opened again. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, maybe not happily, but maybe <laughs> well, maybe, yeah. maybe we're going to get the, 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 the game based on the Mark Wahlberg movie that we deserve. Maybe the summer <laughs> We're finally, finally. going to get <laughs> after his amazing performance in Uncharted. We just uh, <laughs> can't get enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely what I said. But like, um, <laughs> I was gonna say, oh yeah, but like uh, <sighs> with Max Payne three. Sorry to keep kind of going, but like one thing that's always curious about Rockstar stuff is that pretty much everything that's outside of GTA tend to be like tech demo situations for to feed into the next GTA. So it's like Max Payne three. Oh, I mean, I'm not. Maybe that's just speculation on my part. But it's like no, it's, it was like much more evident in this two generation. Yeah. But it's like with Max Payne three, it's like that would that was a way to kind of 
develop like you know third person gunplay to a more polished state than gta series typically has mm -hmm. had because usually it was like lock on and all that mm. um oh and then four was kind of a weird halfway point but um yeah and then three it's like that. that kind of transferred somewhat to gta 5 so i'm kind of wondering it's like could that be their angle as well like yeah. getting kind of some experience with remedy again to translate to next entries or something mm. and i think also like i think the games like they, they were so like i played the max Payne games maybe like less than 10 years ago so like still like not not when they first came out but they're very different game like Max Payne 1 and Max Payne 2 are very different in, in, in some ways. Like, Max Payne 1 is very... It, it is very... It's like a long game. There's a lot of, like, kind of dream sequences and comic book sequences and cutscenes and stuff. Whereas, like, I think Max Payne 2 was a bit more of a straightforward kind of narrative. That's that's what I remember from when I played it. Whereas, like... And then Max Payne 3 was more of, like, a longer third-person action game. Again, it was very much in the... Uh, like the Uncharted GTA style, you know, cutscene, shit goes wrong, <laughs> then you chase him through like an action sequence and things like that. So, who knows where where these these two like, uh, like the the Remedy verse, like Alan Wake exists in the Control universe, right? Isn't he on like the TV screens and stuff? Yes, yeah, he does. And and oh. like Alex Casey, basically, you know, was meant to be Max Payne, and like that character, I think, is in on the TV. In the Alan Wake game, right? Was Alex Casey, yeah, and he's yeah. also in Quantum Break and all sorts of things. So. Yeah, so it's like like move over, move over, like MCU, like you know, Remedy. You already had that idea years ago. Yeah, well, they do <laughs> call it the Remedy Connected Universe. So. Oh wow! Well, <laughs> well, well, there you years, go. Yeah. well, there you go. Well, that's going to do it for the news over this this past fortnight. Uh, let's take uh, let's take uh, a quick break to. Uh, so take a sip of water and we'll be back with uh, with uh, the chit-chat section. Everyone's favorite section. Well, it's been a week, but Eurovision is is still something that we'd, we'd definitely be interested in talking about. Ruby, you you are a Eurovision super fan, mega fan, I don't know, like a really big fan. Like, you, I say, yeah, a big fan. I don't know if fan. I call myself okay. a super fan. <laughs> true, true. You haven't flown out to, to... Where was it held this year? So this year it was held in Turin, which is in Italy. Yeah, the northern part of Italy. Ah, oh, nice. Well, coincidentally, right near where the um, <laughs> where the Command and Conquer games, uh, the Tiber River, which is like what the kind of Tiberium element is named after, is right near Turin. So fun fact for those at home. <laughs> anyway, sorry, <laughs> I'm a nerd. Um, Ruby, tell us what 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 was your what what was the narrative heading into Eurovision? I heard something about UK. Yeah, so, I mean, for those who aren't aware, Eurovision is a massive song contest um, that takes place every year. A number of countries from Europe and also, oddly enough, Australia are also in it. Oh, you um, know. 
<laughs> you know, that famous European country, country Australia. Yep, yep. Um, and they all get together and they basically just do a big show um, where the a jury votes and the public get to vote and they choose a song. And it's a huge party, you know, in Europe it's really, really popular in terms of everybody getting together and just having a couple of drinks and watching it with their friends and things like that. And this year, obviously going into it, um, there was, there's been the war in Ukraine, which has kind of put a damper on a lot of um, the celebrations and things like that. But going in, um, it was definitely an interesting year for Eurovision. You know, there was a lot happening. Um, there's always performances that are kind of on the gimmicky side. There's always performances that are on the kind of meaningful and wholesome side. And then there's just some really crazy dance performances and things like that. But <laughs> In terms of going into the finals, um, the UK was actually, yeah, leading at one point, which is baffling because usually it's all of Europe against the UK, <laughs> um, probably not helped by Brexit. Yeah. And then, um, so they were doing really, really well, with, especially with the jury votes. And then the public voting came in and Ukraine got about 600 points um, from that, which is an insane amount. I think the most anybody had. You know, and the night before that was maybe like 180, um, mm. which shot them right to the top. And they ousted the UK and, and ended up winning it, um, which I think was really exciting for them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like after everything that's happening, been happening over the past like few months, like I guess it's a bit expected that there's a lot of public support behind the Ukraine. But did you, what, what did you think about? What what were your uh, let's say what were your top five performances? What were your top five kind of picks? Yeah, I mean for me, like the thing with Eurovision is that I like it when it's just people having fun and not taking it too seriously, and just like a bit of camp, you know, a bit of comedy. That's the kind of thing that that really goes down well at Eurovision. You don't want people who are like trying to win because they're like actually really good you kind of want it to be a little bit like silly bit so i really liked you know if anybody wants to go look them up i really like performances by um moldova they were really great mm -hmm. i really liked um romania they had a great one uh, finland were really good as well i mean all of the songs are great you know they're all great singers it's not like you know the early stages of american idol or something like that we've got you know unfortunately <laughs> some people who are a bit tone deaf or something like that it's all they're all fantastic um but yeah if go check it out i mean you can watch it on youtube and it's just like a great time <laughs> and i think it was like really cool to see that you know with ukraine getting such a great public support it really goes to show sort of the the feeling in europe at the moment um this kind of rallying behind them and wanting to show uh, support for the European kind of uh, collective, which is quite nice to see, I think, with having COVID happen and all this like stuff that's really been keeping us all quite separated. It's it's nice to see an event that kind of brings people uh, together in that way. I'm, I'm Unfortunately, the, Australia yeah. didn't do that great. So, <laughs> what, was Australia there this year? <laughs> yep, they yeah, they were there. Yeah, they, they were in the too. grand final. Um, so oh really? Love that. Part. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, uh, uh, there we go. Sheldon Riley, not the same. Well, that's uh, okay. This is a Iron Mask lady, or dude. Like uh, them. I, I can't tell. Um, I'm not. I'm just gonna stop myself there. But um, I, I see that the the like one of the the lead rappers from Ukraine was like very strong Jamiroquai vibes. Circa yes. late '90s. Love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did a great performance. You know, their song was obviously 
a little bit reflective of the situation in Ukraine at the moment, but they still came to the the event sort of ready to entertain and ready to really, you know, display um, a lot of their tradition as well, which is one of the great things about Eurovision is that a lot of the times the countries will perform in their own language or mm. they might include a traditional instrument or something like that. And I think Ukraine really brought that kind of, that feeling that they wanted to say a message and they wanted to say, we're here and we're, you know, we're still around, please don't forget about us. Um, but they were also there to kind of bring the party as well, which is always quite fun. That's what you want. That's what yeah. s- sometimes that's what you need in the... In a yeah, exactly. Bringing is... a bit of like levity and a bit of kind of um, joy, I think, yeah. to what's been a really difficult time for a you, lot of people. You unite everyone through song. Yeah. Also, I'm like kind of scrubbing through the videos and I see like Poland's got like... He's got some weird like kind of hologram version of his head on both sides of the screen. <laughs> I love it. I, I, Honestly, like, go and just spend a couple of hours, have a couple of drinks, watch Eurovision. It's like, there's nothing better. I love it. Oh, my God. Uh, Wait, Estonia's got such a long song. Sorry. So, was, how long is it, actually? Grand final is about three or four hours. Yeah. Right. Dude, the, <laughs> yeah, the video of Eurovision is, like, it's for, like, the, the, the stream itself, the archive is four hours and 11 minutes. So that's <laughs> it's worth every second. <laughs> <laughs> like Eurovision was always something that like it was just like some, it was just like a thing that was just always advertised on SBS growing up like on on the sun like it was always on a Sunday and you just kind of it was just like a thing you had on in the background. It was it was kind of cool. I think like over the maybe as I've gotten older I've just kind of not really thought about it <laughs> as much, which yeah. is a shame cuz seems like it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. And I mean, I'm European, half European, so for me, it's kind of got a little bit of a, you know, homeland tie um, that invests me. But, I, you know, Australia's on it, and I think it's just, it's like <laughs> I said, home- it's something... <laughs> homeland tie. <laughs> yeah. When's New it's Zealand like getting some... in? <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, they've said, like, we should try for Eurovision, but, I mean, at that point, just make it worldwide vision. <laughs> yeah. yeah, world vision's already taken, so we'll have to Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trademarked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that that's yeah. Like, I, it looks like a lot of fun, and I'm guessing that Maniskin won last year because they've got like their own interval. Yeah, and a lot of famous bands have actually come out of Eurovision. I mean, ABBA are obviously mm. the most well-known. Uh, Lordy as well have come from Eurovision. Maniskin won last year, and now they're doing tours around the world, sold out. Um, Wait, a lot of who's concerts. Lordy? Lordy, they were um, sort of a death metal ah, kind cool, of group. Cool. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, I, I was like, mispronouncing laws. Yeah, that's what I was like. Oh, my God, did I miss something? <laughs> now, that would be a real New Zealand contender. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mika was there. Oh, was Mika from yes, Eurovision? Yes, Mika was one of the hosts, yeah. Uh, but did he did he ever win previously? Like, no, I don't think so. I, I Funnily he enough, French. he's actually British-Lebanese, but apparently um, really? they really, really love him in Italy, so he just Fair was enough. there in Italy. Oh, why not? Well, I know... Um, uh, I thought he was French. I don't know why I always thought he was French, but because he, he, I thought he always had a French accent. But maybe, maybe he grew up. I there believe a bit. he speaks French. I believe. Okay, fair enough. Well, good on him. That's that's. It seems like a lot of. Uh, I don't know. I, it's just like bringing back memories when I was a kid. Just all the random stuff. But mm. you know what? I'm actually glad that Mika actually looks like he's still in shape because <laughs> I was I was expecting something like to be. I don't know why I watched up or something. <laughs> <laughs> he's apparently, he's like totally popular there. I think in Italy, he's like been a judge on like the X Factor and the voice and 
stuff like that. Mm. He's has the whole sort of A-list um, celebrity mm. status there that maybe is not so well known in the West. Mm. And I guess like when I say the West, I mean Australia. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Australasia. Fair enough. Yep, I guess it's been a little while since uh, since we had him. But yeah, that's uh, thank you so much for, I guess, regaling us about tales of the, the vision of Europe. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm always happy to like just talk about Eurovision and promote it as an event because I think it is just so fun, and especially like I said with this, you know, COVID and everything that's been happening, it's just been really nice to have an occasion where you can just kind of sit back and watch some great entertainment for four hours and then kind of get invested yeah. and move on mm. with your life <laughs> when it's over. Oh well, uh, let's let's move from one spectacle to another, and the spectacle we want to talk about is the, the last two episodes of Moon Knight. And John, if you can remember, to two weeks ago yeah, when that I've, show ended. <laughs> I really have forgotten a lot of it. <laughs> I don't know. I, giant I will say, hippo. Hippo, god lady, and then giant I remember the broad, I remember the gist of it, but I don't... I don't know. I'm, I'm, I was like, I think I said before, it's like I'm not sure how many like opinions I'm going to have on this beyond i don't know i will say i did like the final two episodes of her bit yes more than the previous four episodes and i like that they seemed more performance driven yes well you know like because like oscar isaac is like he's been playing this you know um british man with a accent that seems a bit off a lot of the time <laughs> dick van dyke yeah and otherwise yeah. <laughs> oh cool, but blimey I'm, I'm not what you who who i'm stephen grant it's honestly uh, like really close. <laughs> That's like incredibly close. By my eyes, at least. Uh, but it's um, yeah, no, it's like I liked. I don't know. Like I like the conclusion largely. I think like in contrast to the rest of the season, it probably ended up being better, just because I was well, kind of disappointed thing, with it generally. I think I think what happened, like it was kind of interesting because I feel like what happened was like the first, okay, like it. It does the Marvel thing of, you know, starting with set pieces in the first couple of episodes. You know, we get introduced to Mark Spector's wife. Not Stephen's wife, but Mark Spector's wife. And, uh, you know, then we get kind of the... Then the adventure begins, tragedy strikes. And then we got, like, kind of the the two episodes where we were just kind of lingering in in Mark's psyche. Which, like... It's still a bit weird about what what was happening there but i guess like it's it's all just kind of like i mean him being dead and and that whole like kind of construct getting played out by the gods and that's just the way to kind of explain it to him but i maybe maybe you disagree with me here but i really like the fact that i think this was like the only show i think maybe this like i feel like this had a really big i think it was the show that had the character that had the most change and the most kind of like acceptance of who they are, you know, uh, like yeah, for me, probably, yeah. yeah. It's like it. I think it's like I was surprised at how much I liked the fifth episode, mm. which is which probably yeah, it was probably the best one by my standards. Like learning about his childhood and what happened. <laughs> yeah, because like I yeah. think I was going into it not caring for like a bottle episode in this hospital and stuff. Yeah, that's you know like in the mental space and i don't know it's hard to describe it in detail actually especially when it's been a second yeah. but it's i don't know i wasn't like prepared to like enjoy it all that much it's just like oh, i just kind of want to get on with the plot but then yeah that episode was like easily the strongest just because it actually let oscar isaac act for yes. 40 minutes or so he actually 
got <laughs> he had, yeah because like the last time oscar isaac was in a marvel production like on screen was in x-men apocalypse which is the like, oh, yeah. <laughs> why was he even in that like he, he had like three lines yeah, yeah, he was playing a Power Rangers villain. With basically, basically, <laughs> yeah, and very bad makeup as well. Uh, I, I realize I don't know. Well, like more Ruby, expensive yeah. makeup might be a better way to say. That's, it. Yes, yes, that's true. You haven't seen the show, have you, Ruby? No, I haven't seen it. I mean, I I saw Oscar Isaac recently. He was in. Was he in Dune? Yes, yeah. he was. He was the hot dad in Dune. That's, yeah, that's right. That's, I, that's, I mean, he's a great actor. Yeah. Like. Yes, he yeah, does. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. yeah, that is actually something worth talking about, though, is, like, going into Moon Knight as a character that's, like, not well-known. Like, that. Like, I think the gist of it as, like, a product being sold to an audience is that Oscar Isaac's in it, you haven't heard about this character, Yeah, please go watch it. <laughs> like, that seemed to be the most of it. And, like, and, like the first four episodes feel like they've, they kind of wasted Isaac to a point. Like he's, mm. he's, I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on it, but it's just, I was ex- like, five reminded me, I was like, oh, that's right. I was expecting this. <laughs> it was mm. like, it couldn't just jump right to like the emotional. Yeah. Like if it went straight into the I'm mental. Act- <laughs> yeah. I, I get that. But it's like, I get <laughs> that. It's like, it can't do that. Yeah. But it also, I don't know. I feel like the British, like Stephen Grant character, it's like, I, I'm sure he's doing a, better job to most people than i see it but i found it like kind of i don't know pretty but but can, can you now understand that okay he's basically playing a sick like a grown-up version of a six-year-old pretending to be a character of a tv show with a british accent because like who knows like that's how he remembers the accent being you know what I yeah mean? Like, that that is pretty great like, could you imagine that that's like the defense is like, oh, it's not a bad accent. It's a bad accent on purpose. I was actually playing, the, <laughs> embodying the role of someone who has who has a bad accent. It is a legit <laughs> excuse now. Yeah, because uh, like I was like, I'm very, I don't know, like, it's like I'm not British at all, so I can't know like if like my criticism, well, maybe my crit, I don't know. Yeah, my criticism of his accent or his performance is like in any way accurate. I just kind of assume it isn't. Yeah, it's more just that it's distracting. Yeah. Well, well, I think it's like, I guess we, we're not British, but you know, if he if he's gone for more of that kind of London accent, right? Like you, you've got people like Idris Elba when he plays characters like, like Luther is like very London. Like this is like this is like a very high pitched kind of like, like Charlie the, what was it? Um, Oliver Twist. Well, who am I thinking oh, of? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's very kind of like that, please, sir, can I have some more kind of take on <laughs> British accents? Like, like, it, it, like, I'm surprised he didn't say, call Blimey or something. In this show. I'm actually certain he did. Like, like he there's did. a few things like that. So, you, you can't do that. Like, uh, I'd vandalize yeah. some toilets. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and like, as a character, he's meant to, he's like kind of designed to be kind of pathetic for a long stretch yeah. of it. Which is, you know, it's fine for the story, but I think it, it makes it like frustrating as yeah, yeah. a six-episode Moon Knight yeah. series. You know, like the, there isn't much of the it, suit looks and like cool. half of it. It's... I love. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, but it's like he's just like I don't know. The show wastes. It feels like it wastes a lot of its time. Mm. 
and it it does it has like because like i was i watched it with my sister and i kept kind of talking about it out loud too much but like because I, I kept thinking about it is the idea that this is this is like two marvel movies or so or like maybe slightly less because like every episode is like 40 minutes yeah. so it ends up being around however long that is like yeah it's actually hours. not that mm. yeah but essentially ruby um the the premise is that in 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 this universe uh <laughs> the egyptian gods existed and they um basically they they can't interact with the human world so what they do is they take over the the bodies and the and in, and the minds of human subjects called like that act as their avatars right and each god in the egyptian i guess pantheon equivalent has their own avatar and in this case um there's the the egyptian god of the night i don't know what his actual thing is but his name is Konshu, and basically he has chosen this mercenary named mark specter who had just died at one of his tombs like had chosen him to be his his uh avatar you know given his skill set and everything and basically uh enact justice on on people who had done wrong things now hit the 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 equivalent the opposite to Konshu is a god called amit and that god is it's sort of like the um like the minority report thing of like pre-crime you know like judging people before they've committed crimes in their future and killing them then even if they're children and stuff right so basically this religious zealot is trying to bring back um this ancient god who is very vengeful and she's like she's like uh like a personified she's got like a crocodile head whereas Conchu was like a bird head but obviously he's like kind of he's like rotted or something so he's like a skull basically a bird skull in a, in, i think it's a bird i think it's a type of bird but anyway um and so basically this religious group is like trying to find this artifact to find this ancient tomb and it turns out that this mark specter guy he because of some traumatic events as a child he built up a a, a second personality called Stephen Grant with the with the he was like based on like this Indiana Jones like character from a TV show when he was a kid and the the TV show character had a British really bad British accent as well <laughs> but he's kind of like traumatized internalized that and created this uh, like other person and because oh. of this other trauma he's kind of lived that person's always come out and he's he blacks out as one and then and does things as another and can't remember right, right. and so when we start the show he thinks he's Stephen Grant he he sorry he's I'm gonna say it. I can't not say it. Very British now, um, and 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 what you uncover is that oh hey he had this whole other life as this mercenary. He's got a wife. Um, he's got all these like amazing skills. He can he can do a lot of damage, but due to budget requirements or whatever, they don't show it, <laughs> and they just right, cut between it as if like oh he's blacked out. We can't tell you what happened. All you see is like uh-huh. one scene where everyone's standing, and then cut two seconds later, everyone's on the ground with blood. And then it's like, oh no, he blacked out again. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have that whole like kind of fight happening, and then you know ancient tombs. It's basically like imagine the mummy, mm-hmm. but like a modern version of the mummy, right? You know, people trying to bring yeah. resurrect an, an evil guy, and then you're trying to do the right thing, but you're like a swashbuckling hero slash coward. <laughs> I don't know how to put it, <laughs> and then. You've got this wife who knew the entire time that he had all these abilities, but never questioned all the other things. <laughs> like it just doesn't make sense. Like it turns out, like 
She was the son of an archaeologist who you killed in a, or like who you took to a mission at his tomb and you you didn't stop him from dying and then you were killed, blah, blah, blah. And so basically there's this whole kind of fight happening and there's all these layers where like the ancient gods don't believe, you know, the, the Moon Knight and, and his god saying that this other person's trying to resurrect this other god. They don't believe him. Voila. He gets kicked out and then guess what? This guy does his trick and he's going to get all the other gods to kind of... He's going to destroy all the... She's going to destroy all the other gods. And it's like... It's like a... Like a there's a lot happening. Uh. But at the end, there's just a kaiju battle. And that's all you need to care about. Uh. <laughs> and both I, sides I mean, of Mark's brain become friends. Did you guys think that there was any, like, interest or value in this sort of idea of the split personality? I mean, I that's obviously... Cool. I mean, it's obviously kind of a con- slightly controversial thing in terms of you know, portraying mental illness, quote unquote, mental illness in terms of mainstream television. Is it, was there any kind of like value or um, kind of sentiment attached to that? Or is it literally just a plot device so that he can do cool moves? (laughs) I found it. Yeah. I found it. I I liked it, but yeah, John, sorry. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Um, I definitely think it's that second thing you said. It's like very much a Marvel version of split personality disorder. Right. Yeah. Like, because he, he, I, I remember yeah. thinking about it early on, and it never really surprised me beyond that. Mm. Very, oh, which I don't know. I think the simplicity of it means that it's not really, you know, it's really trying to skirt and like not be offensive just by making it so straightforward. Mm. And also, like, you know, and kind of mechanical, I guess. I'm not sure. Otherwise, I'm not really one to speak on it, I think. Yeah. Mm. But. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't go into it mm. hoping for something great. Like, yeah, like way. obviously it's um, like I think you, you're making such a mainstream project, so you have to kind of dumb it down and and kind of make a simplified version. You know, people can have many, many different personalities and many nuances between them. But I think here, just having like kind of the innocent part of him that was kind of s- suppressed when he had a traumatic event when he was a child versus this other kind of like tough exterior that he had to create to survive in the world. They both, they kind of make sense in, in, in terms of the way it's framed in the show. And I really like the fact that there's like some reconciliation there that they're both a part of him and that he's not like, it, yes, it, it gets in the way of his life, but you know, he can still find peace and he can still find some acceptance of who he truly is. And I think that was really kind of nice. Like, I mean, I, I, I like the way it kind of like kind of he grew as a character and and really, I don't know he he kind of learnt and, and learnt to to accept who he is and then embrace it and, and find strength in that. I think that was a good message, but obviously, like this is a Marvel thing of like, you know, what's this person's trick? Like, what's this person's gimmick? Oh, yeah. gamma radiation. This one split personality or yeah. You know, th- this one was frozen in ice for like 40 years and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And so would you guys recommend it as a watch? I mean, it's six episodes, eight episodes. Yeah, right? I, I would. Yeah, if, you, if you, you're curious, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. A lot of these Disney Plus shows have been pretty, um, I don't know, middling like, generally. Uh, yeah. yeah, like I found like in my ranking, I would put like WandaVision and Moon Knight are up there for me. And then, like, kind of the other shows, like, I, I, I didn't resonate with Loki, like, to the same extent as someone like John. I know, John, you really enjoyed the ending of that. I, I, I didn't. <laughs> I found it went up its own butt. But 
I, I saw like the um, but I did like the fact that um, I don't know. Uh, okay, what did you think about the fact that now we have uh, another superhero like in in Layla? You know the, uh, the 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 twist at the end where the hippo lady, the hippo god, gives the powers to Layla. Um, I thought her outfit was way cooler than Moon Knight's. Generally, <laughs> I really liked it. But like, um, otherwise, no cape. That's the secret. I'm, I guess, but it's like I don't like how Moon Knight's like base costume is so like heavy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I kind of wish it was like less armor, like because I don't really vibe with that much. But like, um, it just otherwise, like I don't know. Like, I'm curious how often a lot of these new characters from the shows are going to show up in other stuff yeah. outside of that. You know, like. I'm not expecting to see Moon Knight or um, yeah. her name. I really don't remember. I don't remember Layla. anyone else's name. Yeah, it is Layla. Okay. <laughs> I had in my head. I was like, oh. I don't, think she, I don't think she got a hero name. I think she just they just kept, kept her name Layla. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be whatever the hippo god is. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's probably related to that somehow. I know it. But you know how like Moon Knight got a name, but who? but she didn't get a name for her hero. You know what I mean? She just got gold armor. Hmm. <laughs> But Scarlet um... Scarab. Okay. She's technically oh, Scarlet Scarab. I like that name. But that's not mentioned anywhere in the show. What the hell? Anyway. Um... Are they, they making another Moon season? I don't think so. Oh, they should be because they, they have a um, cliffhanger at the end. Yeah. Oh, well, then but... she can get it there. Yeah. Oh, yes, they did have a cliffhanger at the end. <laughs> How do you forget? <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. The cliffhanger is that there's a third personality in in uh, Mark's okay. fractured mind, but I think that one was like he legit was more like the street smart. He was like a street smart cabbie. That's the character that he kind of embodied. Like, so another yeah, excuse to bring out the British accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, but he gets a new suit probably. Maybe, that's maybe, harsh. yeah. Well, because that's the thing with each of his personalities, he's got a different take on the Moon Knight suit. So when he's Mark Spector, the assassin, he's got like a ninja mummy slash costume with a cape. Um, and the, and and I love the fact that in one of the fights, that one of the bad guys actually pulls on his cape and chokes him. And I'm like, this is the first time that a realistic portrayal of a cape has happened. Yeah, I think like in the mode says, no capes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, wait, what's that from? That's from the Incredibles. Ah, that's right. And then um uh and and then the his his Stephen Grant Stephen Grant uh persona <laughs> has like a like a like a kind of more like a business suit in but all in white with like a balaclava. So it's just it's uh, uh, I wonder which one Layla prefers at home. <laughs> <'Cause> um, <laughs> I always picturing that I'm like she knew the suit existed, but she just didn't question anything else around him. So I'm like, did she know that he had all these personalities? Like, she clearly didn't. Yeah, they are to married. The show, but really, but so. they are married. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, I will say, you mentioning like the street smart cabbie, that is something that came up a lot in my, not not that character, but like, it's something out. like, I mostly know Moon Knight as like a street level vigilante he's like a batman if you kind of take his scarier way weirder elements like more head-on you know yeah there's so many in yeah there's so much stuff about batman that's like strange at least (laughs) the comics never really confront that much because otherwise it gets away from you he is a very strange person let's be honest yeah moon knight is like he's like if (laughs) 
you know, he has personality, some sort of personality, sort of. He is rich still somehow. I don't actually remember how. But it's like, I always think about that, like that meme with Dracula. <laughs> with like, because um, I learned it. Yeah, so it's like, I, like, yeah, it's like, I always, like, I always think about it with Moon Knight where it's like the, uh, the meme thing is like, I know you're here directly, big fucking nerd. Where's my goddamn money? <laughs> and it's like, that is like most of what I'm interested in with Moon Knight is like street level shenanigans of this supernatural Batman wreaking havoc, havoc because, and also he barely knows what he's doing or knows what's going on. Or <laughs> It's like, I want more of that personally. Wasn't that just Daredevil season one? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, I have a question, John, because you've seen, I guess, the Marvel on on Netflix and on Disney. Like overall, if you if you got to if you could only keep one suite of shows, would it have been the Marvel one, the, the Disney ones, or the, the Netflix ones? Oh, Netflix. Because I actually had <laughs> like I, I think the Daredevil, I think Daredevil on its own, and like Luke Cage, like at least the first season of Luke Cage on its own, I think stands up. I didn't like Jessica Jones. I think I've, I think she was just annoying, and I didn't watch season two. Nor did I finish Iron Fist. I just couldn't. I don't know. I don't know how you went with Iron Fist, but it's... I was weirdly into it. I remember <laughs> like writing a blog post about it forever ago, yeah. uh, forever ago, like defending it to a yeah. point. I'm not sure if I'll still say that, but I are they still on Netflix, or have they been taken down? I'm pretty sure they're on Disney now. Oh, like, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've, those inter- those shows were way more yeah. interesting. Because I want to watch The Punisher. That was one I always wanted to watch, mm. but yeah, I, I, ne- I never got around to it. The Punisher in Daredevil is great because he's like a scary vigilante who's exactly how that character should be, yeah. which is just a monster. And he plays with um. Like he actually pushes Daredevil to make decisions, like, like causes crises in him, like, like a you know, like a identity crisis for him. But I, I don't know what he's like in the show. Well, it's just like I don't like because um, I've read a lot of Punisher comics. Well, I've read one particular run um, from like a decade or so ago. That's quite mm. good, and that's like almost like military fiction, or uh, it's like it's specifically vigilante fiction that doesn't try to glorify him yeah and that's kind of what i didn't love about the show it's like i'm not sure if it glorifies him so much but it definitely doesn't like yeah daredevil works because he's like a side character who's terrifying because someone like that is scary it's like he's like he's like a horror villain Hmm. in yeah because that's kind of what like like you know because like vigilantes and like even just like mass shooters, unfortunately, are kind of closer to Punisher than most things, like concepts. Yeah. And it's like, it's not... Well, I don't know, it's, yeah. it's uncomfortable as a concept. Well, like Matt Murdock you know, has inner turmoil, whereas like the Punisher didn't really have that. He's just kind of like, I know I'm going to do whatever I can to kill all these bad people, whereas Matt Murdock was like, I'm, I'm trying not to. You know. Yeah, it's a good conflict. Like yeah. that, you know, that's kind of... I don't know. I, I, I remember the Daredevil show really fondly which apparently they're rebooting in some way what so i'm excited to see that why he was so good oh wait are they keeping him yeah they keep uh, they seem to be kind of pseudo reviving it i don't know what they, it is. I, I hope so because I, I i was like cheering when i saw his cameo in no way home yeah he's a great actor <laughs> that i was can't remember amazing. what his, his name is at the moment uh but... charles oh, charlie cox cox charlie, yes, cox. charlie yeah, cox yeah 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 and like um karen and then like Froggy, Foggy, 
Oh, like they're like really cool characters, like that, like kind of trio of friends and stuff, and yeah. Mm. And then what is it? What was her name? Eliza Nachios or something? Like, what was? I was name? always really into Electra as Ele- well. Electra, that's like, what. Her name. Electra. I, I was like, I'm like Eliza. What? <laughs> I was like, uh, like, did you like Electro? I see a lot of people saying they didn't, like the, like her, like, like her depiction, or like, uh, or the performance, or the two thousand three. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. Like, I think she was meant to be like they were trying to portray her as like a tragic figure, but she was just kind of like she came across very like to me came across very like whiny compared to the other characters, <laughs> like c- compared to like Karen, who was a lot more like kind of like very strong and and planted like she was like very well grounded and like a cool character to be around whereas i feel like if you went to a party with electro you'd be like oh god you're gonna tell me about your your assassin days i don't i'm like oh god (laughs) you're the one yeah we get it (laughs) i know i remember her being cool and the show really struggling to find stuff for karen to do that's mostly what i remember Wait, who being cool? Karen being cool? Or you mean no, Electra being, being cool? cool. <laughs> well, Electra was I mean, kind of like, like uh, yeah. Uh, no, I was like, I'm fine with Karen. I was just remembering how, like, I was remembering just how the show always, like, pushed so hard to find something for her to fit into the story somehow. He's like, oh, you gotta, and it, it, gotta it never go really these... did a great job of it. She shot the Russian guy. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't I was like, it's fine yeah. that, like, yeah. Yeah, like I understand why she doesn't fit in well because it makes sense that she wouldn't, because she's everything she's else is normal natural person. vigilante. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's just like she's still got so much screen time relative to that, which yeah. is like it's also not bad. But I, like I just remember it being like Daredevil so can be so plot heavy and action centric, where it's yeah. just like okay, legal proceedings with Karen <laughs> or whatever's happening. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you expect like a newspaper spinning onto the screen saying let's just in yeah but, yeah um, oh th- yeah. That's, but i think for me like being a fan of martial arts like i, I really appreciated the fight sequences and and stuff at daredevil like i feel like nothing's really captured that as well like even shang chi to some extent didn't because like i feel like that was very floaty and uh, uh, like it was very i know it was like kind of reminiscent of like why a foo you know Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and things like that. But mm. I, I, I think, I think what I missed about, I, I, th- I feel like Moon Knight could have gone for a little bit longer, because I think, I think maybe, like a lot more kind of like action that wasn't just like condensed into one or two episodes, like maybe a little bit well, more kind of smaller things and stuff. I don't know. I'm really not sure it had Good much training story montage. to with. Though. It felt like yeah. it was stretching what was already there. Yeah, I don't it's a think, six episodes, yeah. and like you know, it's already not long, not a huge amount of time. It's just like there isn't much in the story. It's just like true. First episode is almost entire, like a small amount of exposition stretched to forty minutes or so. Mm. That's and, true. Like, that's fine. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a nice tone setter, but it's yeah. just like when you think when there's like one of six episodes, it feels like too big a part of the show. Yeah, and then it's true. That's true. I don't know. Like, it's just like when you think about the story, it's just like he goes to Egypt. He's trying to, he's bumming around for a while trying to find the map or whatever. And then, and then he does or something. I don't even really remember the plot that <laughs> well. Well, like, just because his <laughs> wife shows up. Doesn't his wife show up? His wife's also tracking the, the Harrow dudes. And then, and then somehow the moon, the god of the moon god, 
transfer like literally you see them go like he changes the night sky back to the the night where this ancient map was like the stars were drawn so he could navigate like it's it's like kind of like there's some cool moments there but in between it's kind of like i don't know like really bad action like it's like apparently the director who directed this like he comes from like indie films and art films so i can understand why um oh he's the one who made um the umbrella academy show Oh, did he? Oh, really? Okay. Well. Yeah, so he's got background. Uh, I don't know if that's a good They just thing announced the season three for that as well. Is that a good oh, show? Right. Uh, I've seen a few. Uh, I didn't really find it. There was a goldfish. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I liked it. Cool. I watched cool. season three. But I, I tell you what, I love the music in Moon Knight. Oh, God, the music's so good. Like I don't remember it. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Like the Arabic rap and the different Arabic sounds and stuff. Like it's oh, okay. so cool. Like and a lot yeah. of the names you see in the credits, like some of the bigger names are like Arabic or like ethnic sounding and it was like, Oh, that's so cool. Mm. Um I mean okay. I mean Kevin Feige, Louis Esposito and uh Sarah Haley Finn are always gonna show up in every Marvel project, but like the stuff around it like it was cool and like some of the songs were just really like the end credit songs. Every every episode had a different end credit song. So like, okay. if you skip that, then I'm, yeah, I don't. Ex- yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I skipped it. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, oh, um, like it was like the show that like every episode we'd watch till the end of the credits because there's always like some cool music happening. Yeah. And I, I, I think like it was like in one of the, in one of the Winter Soldier and Falcon episodes there was like a teaser at the end of the episode or something or it was like at the end of one WandaVision episode so because of that I will like go to the end of every episode thinking there's like some sort of easter egg just like watch that on YouTube later <laughs> not the same it's not the same <laughs> <laughs> you're the person who waits in the movie theater for the like lights to come up you? Uh, I think we talked about it with like um what was the oh Spider-Man oh, Spider-Man with yeah, Doctor yeah. Strange and it's like a, it's a trailer for Doctor Strange uh, I was so annoyed because I completely yes. forgot by the time we went to watch it like with my sister yes. it's like oh damn it like we were waiting there for like you know 10 minutes or however long Marvel credits go for now and like yeah and then eventually it's like the Doctor Strange show. I was like oh damn it I forgot <laughs> now I have to sit through it the one the one in um uh the Doctor Strange movie is like a good one for like Sam Raimi fans like if you're a Sam Raimi like mm. That's a good one for them. Oh, but yeah, yeah, that's right. I spot. And then, and then, like, um, apparently, apparently, the vulture comes back in the end of um, Morbius. Yeah, I was gonna ask you if you did. He actually watch Morbius? Morbius? You said no. I'm gonna. gonna I'm, <laughs> no, I'll wait till it's. I'll wait till it's, uh, like Free. Disney or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, it would be on Netflix because it's a Sony film. Oh yeah, I keep maybe. forgetting because they always go to Sony. Um, yeah, I'm not. Like, what's next? Uh, like. Obi Wan's next, which is like I'm sorry, but that's like more Tatooine. That's coming at the end. of... Uh, I think next week, next Wednesday. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, mm. And then I think She Hulk. The trailer for that dropped. Yeah. Which is uh, interesting, to say the least. I was trying I, to. Uh, it looks really fun, but the CGI looks really, really shitty. Bad. Yeah, and they didn't make her of any. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a huge like She Hulk um, historian, but they could have given her a bit more muscle and a bit more bulk. I yeah. Think. Yeah, she felt big, but yeah, like not very Hulk like. Yeah, not very Hulk like. Like, like she just looked like a very tall, like a Russian, like Olympian. You know what I mean? Like she was like in the, like I don't know. She was just like still had like very normal proportions, but just taller. Mm. Whereas like Hulk mm. is very like 
you know, very wide and like very weird. Yeah. So, but you know that I mean, but then she can't wear a dress on the red carpet, right? Like that. That's. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh God! That was, like I was trying to. My wife was like, "So why does she just look like a tall green Amazon lady?" I'm like, uh, uh, "She's Bruce Banner's cousin. I have no idea." <laughs> Uh, I mean, like you got Hulk blood from Banner. Transfusion or something, right? Yeah. So I guess it's like kind of a weird, you know, pseudo Hulk. Technically, Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's the thing because, like, there is like, like, isn't like in one of the comics, like, there's an entire planet for her, like, and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. No. This because like, and she's a lawyer. Like, she's just a, she's just a green lawyer. Whereas, like, you expect her to be (laughs) like hulked out. Well, that is their main thing, though. It's like, like I've never read a She-Hulk comic, but I know that's the reason people like her, is that she's basically just like, like, that's why it's called, like, Attorney of Law as a subtitle. It's like, it's, you know, it's like a legal drama comedy, Mm. except it's Marvel and his Hulk powers involved. Like, that is the premise, you know? So, Mm. see, if you you do, like, just the normal Hulk thing, you're getting away from what made it special. Yeah. Yeah. But... Yeah, that's true. I do hope the special mm. effects look better because I'm interested <laughs> yeah, in the premise. Well. I, I didn't know who it was until I was like, that. "Oh, this is the chick from um, this is the actress who did uh, Orphan Black." I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, I okay. haven't seen that." So I'm like, oh, "Okay, that's." I was like, "Who is this person? I don't know who this no-name actor is, but hey." But it, it's funny because like, there's like that gag of like, she's carrying that muscle guy, and he looks so small in her like arms. I guess that's kind of the. Like that's a, like a, a playful play on on the 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 giantess mm. like image they're going for. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of fetishes, plenty of fan fiction, <laughs> <laughs> fan art. Yes, I don't think um, it'll be the first time that she no, has been the subject no, of no. <laughs> that kind of thing. No, no. <laughs> uh, well, well, we'll find that out. Uh, the the Thor the second Thor trailer dropped yesterday. I haven't seen it yet. I'm I'm trying to avoid. Oh, yeah. Spoilers, but I think I'm gonna end up watching it because I'm I'm in the minority. I didn't like. I think Thor Ragnarok was overrated. So oh I, really? Yeah, I didn't find it. It was just it was trying too hard, and it was like a wasted villain. Like it was just like an excuse to just do like really bad improv, and then everything else kind of falls aside. Aside, I don't know. That's oh. yeah. <laughs> It's it's still a, it's still like a B grade Marvel movie where there's like a forgettable villain and stuff, whereas like like the concept of Hela being the first child of Odin and then being like run, you know rule like being condemned to the underworld oh, and stuff. She so good in it though. Yeah, like, but I she has nothing to work movie. with. That's why I was like, she had so much. She, like she just plays it like so campy. It's great. Yeah, but like I just wanted more. Like she's actually a cool like villain like idea for a villain, but it was just so yeah. wasted. And I'm like. Like, there's no need. This is the third Thor film. Like, give it something. Like, this is. It's not that much better than Thor: Dark World. If you if you if you think about like the ramifications. Yeah, I mean, uh, I really liked Thor: Ragnarok, but I feel like I'm. I saw the trailer for Love and Thunder, and I'm just curious as to like what is kind of different from Thor: Ragnarok because I think that Ragnarok did quite well because it was kind of an unexpected comedy, having come from the other two. Th- Thor films and mm. kind of other Marvel films, but from what I saw of the trailer for Love and Thunder, it feels very of a similar note, kind of the same comedy, okay, the same yeah. kind of Makes like sense. a Y2Z style. Yeah. And so yeah. I think it might lose some of the magic of kind of being different um, as Ragnarok yeah. was. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like um, yeah. 
Oh, keep going. No, I was saying like Doctor Strange was like kind of Marvel's take on horror. Like a very campy oh. horror, so I wonder what um what's the next genre that Marvel's gonna take on. Uh. Yeah. Sorry, John, you were saying. Oh. Uh, oh, what was I saying? Something about Thor. I forgot. Oh yeah, Thor. Yeah, I do think there's gonna be a lot more Korg this time. Which I'm not super uh, into because <laughs> I maybe realize like um you know like because Korg is like uh, Taiko Atiti's like stand in like New Zealand like stereotype the, yeah of like a like a, a Polynesian yeah, bouncer sure. is what he actually said, a better yeah. way to say it's like it's his stand in for the cool. Kiwi accent I think might be a better way to put it uh, I'm not sure if he's a New Zealand Brooks. stereotype but it's um yeah anyway but it's like um it made me like um watching that Free Guy movie a yeah. few months or so ago he was really good at that. that. He was fine, but it made me realize I'm really sick of him <laughs> a little bit as a performer. <laughs> oh, so no. it's like, I'm not really excited to watch a lot more of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it could be a little bit one note, I think, the comedy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like Korg does feel like a one note kind of character. <laughs> like, mm. I feel like a good way to describe him. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I mean, there's not much you can really do with a bunch of rocks. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Like, he, he's done a lot with that. So I, I think. Mm. I don't know. That's I think, I th- I th- yeah, I- I'm I'm more interested in the the storyline with Jane Foster because I think that was always cool. Um, like I think she was a really cool character. That was like very, like she was like a brilliant scientist and then relegated to just like a damsel in distress, like yeah. literally a a container for a MacGuffin. <laughs> like, isn't that what? Oh yeah. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like there was so much potential there, um, as like a you know her, her being a cool character. And I guess, like, I'm interested in seeing her being Lady Thor because that was, like, I think Lady Thor's something that happened in, like, our lifetimes. I don't think Lady Thor's something that's been around for a long time, right? No, yeah, because the comic run was, like, a decade ago. Yeah, because I remember it's that a good being a big run. deal. Like, because yeah. she just goes by Thor as well. Yeah. Which Marvel has a habit of doing with, like, six other... That's side, the Apple like, thing. Okay. Oh, it's New Thor. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> Yeah, kind of. You know, it's like because Spider, like all the Spider Men, are also just called Spider Man. There's like no difference. Lots of stuff like. Let's that. Let's be honest. If they like, started, if they called Miles Morales Black Spider Man, I think we'd be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not. That's not great either. But um, I was gonna say, oh yeah, but that run was like that run was very good. Like mm-hmm. that run was probably the best of that particular writer's career so far. Because otherwise, his other stuff's spotty. It's like that. The entire run with Thor, like with Jane in that role, is very strong. So there's a lot to like draw from. Mm. So I'm kind of curious if it's going to feel more comedy like or if it's actually going to feel like mm. an epic, like that run actually is. Like that, that run is like very long and it like a lot of it contain is like about this story. Gotcha. It's not like a lot of little stories as much as other runs can be. So it's, um, I don't know, I'm curious to see what they take and what they, well, there's like a lot of interesting parts of the trailer. Yeah. So it's like, mm. um, seems to be like a black and white section from what looks of it. Is Christian Bale like, the, bad, the, the bad guy in this? Yeah. Yeah, okay. he is. And it's like, trailer. it's strange because you can tell it's Christian Bale and it just feels yeah. very like, I don't know. It's, it seems like they're just fighting Christian Bale <laughs> rather than <laughs> yeah. the character. But, the, but they're fighting Christian Bale from the set of Terminator Salvation. That's the Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah, he's got always all, all yelling. And <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'm professional. You amateurs. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's all anybody can see now when it comes to Christian Bale. Like it really has uh, affected his <laughs> whole career. Yeah. As it should have. 
Yeah. Well, and we're getting more guardians in this as well, so that'll be that'll be interesting. Um, it's yeah, because there's there's like guardians three is still happening. I think that just wrapped up production. Cause I yeah something like that yeah because I remember James Gunn tweeting about like like emotional how emotional it was to kind of let go of those characters that he's I guess embodied like not embodied but like that he's been so associated with for like more than a decade now or like almost a decade sorry mm. um but yeah anyway that's 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 gonna do it for the the chit chat section of this week's episode I uh, I I did not expect it to go for this long so <laughs> thank you everyone for for. Uh, for you know listening along with us but hope you had some fun as well as much as we did (laughs) yeah hopefully (laughs) talking about hippo gods and kaiju battles like uh, i don't know i I, i'm a sucker for kaiju battles they're always fun (laughs) so any show that ends with a kaiju battle is 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 right with me i don't know they felt like cheap for moon knight though (laughs) it's like oh people are enjoying our show enough yeah, Let's but it's like that. they didn't need to because they're gods. Like they could just fight in space. Like, you know what I mean? They didn't need to be giant. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. I don't know. <laughs> I think I remember my eyes glazing over a little bit. With that part, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Double Jump Radio. As always, Double Jump and Double Jump uh, Radio is supported by our wonderful members. You can head over to doublejump.co/slash/memberships or uh, patreon.com slash double jump i think it's double jump or dbl jump sorry uh to become a member or a patron today uh john ruby thank you so much and uh ruby i really hope you enjoyed your your first rodeo uh, on the show i did i had a great time i mean you allowed me to talk about things that i enjoy without (laughs) restraint so can't ask for more than that (laughs) (laughs) that's that's yeah if there's one thing you can count on here it's tangents and and like <laughs> esoteric discussions about things that maybe only us <laughs> care about. yeah all the time you want Fantastic. <laughs> pretty much pretty much um but yeah john thank you thank you once again man it's it's always a pleasure uh you know hosting these with you you know we, we, we say it every week but we always look forward to it because it's like we can talk about the things that we have no one else to talk about <laughs> talk with yeah <sorry. laughs> basically yeah thank you to, thanks you too good episode Thanks so much. Next week. <laughs> but yeah, uh, thank you so much, uh, folks at home. It's it's been uh, another lovely episode, and and yes, as I mentioned before, head over to doublejump.co to read all of our awesome articles. We're going to have uh, quite a bit uh, more stuff uh, going up over the next couple of weeks as well, so keep an eye out. But yes, until next time, look out for one another. Peace. Bye. Have you, have you got a catchphrase, Ruby, that we should know about? No. <laughs> Kia ora. Yeah, mine's, mine's bio. Kia ora.